creature. Yeah. Right? Uh, that has to recognize this part of who we are, and, and either we have one of two extremes, we either attempt to be God and be so steadfast and so unchanging and so that, that we can't possibly have any room for imagination or or um, creativity, or we go to the other extreme, most people actually do this, and they just live this very chaotic existence with zero grounding, zero perspective, right? Zero willingness to take time away, Sabbath, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, Welcome to the second episode of the Consultant on the Coach podcast. So happy to have you guys join us today. Um, seasons and rhythms. Spring, summer, fall, winter. There are good things and bad things to every single season. The same not only applies to weather seasons, but there's work seasons, life seasons. And Josh and I are just excited to get into that today with you and hopefully bless you with this content. So here we are diving into seasons and rhythms. So welcome to the Consultant and the Coach Podcast. Uh, good to see you again, my friend. Yeah, good to see you. How are you doing, Coach? You know, I had a weekend I didn't have to coach, actually. It was wonderful. Very so I, I did nothing. It was it was wonderful and refreshing. So now I am ready to coach because I had time off. There you go. That might that's, even come into today's podcast. That's going to come into today's There are well. seasons. Absolutely. So, uh, scripture for today's podcast, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. This is just golden. Um, mind if I read? Yeah, please. Sweet. Uh, for everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to his children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been, and God seeks what has been driven away. Man, I love that. Thanks. So why, why do you choose that? Yeah, no, I think uh, it's a good one for today because I think it's people who um, work and lead and try to raise families and figure out life, I think remembering and recognizing there is a seasonal nature to how God made us is so important and easily forgotten, right? Most leaders, I think, and I've done this, you know, to myself so many times, you try so hard and you burn yourself out and you find yourself in this place where nothing's going right, you don't understand, you burn yourself into the ground, you've worked too many hours. You've what do you mean there are seasons? I, I believe you sprint until you die, and then you sit, That's and you rest up, and then you sprint again. Is that not the most efficient way of doing business in life and family? 
But there is an element of that that's correct. You're right. You, I mean, you're the coach. You tell me. But sprint and rest, I think many times in today's American culture, there's not the rest part that's really appreciated, right? Most I would agree with that. sprint and sprint again and sprint and sprint again. And resting is not going to bed at 11, getting up at 5, and doing it all over again, right? No, that's, that's you're, not, you're exactly right. And right. with proper rest, and I, 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 have, a, I have a client, I, I've been working with her, and she was just not performing like she supposed, was supposed to. Literally, we increased her performance by resting and eating better. It was as simple as that. She's like, Coach, it, it, it's fixed. And who would have thought the workout was to rest and eat? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so every, some people need to kick them in the butt and say, hey, go do something. But other people, literally, it's you work so doggone hard, you need to do more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You mean less? Or less. Yeah, you yeah. need to do, do more by doing less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and as you and I both read uh, the book Peak Performance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought it was interesting in there, some of the people they referenced, I can't remember, I think maybe writers and other sort of high-performing individuals, that actually for them the resting part is actually what they have to work the hardest at, Mm -hmm. which is sort of this weird Because you don't get to be a world-class level if you can't work your tail off, but too often those that work their tail off... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm don't naturally come by rest right right well and and i think you know as a as a, as a worker and a leader myself i think where i've it, what i have really learned to appreciate seasons and rhythms is my uh upbringing which i'm sure we'll get into in the course of this podcast it taught me early on that to be uh to survive as a child looking at kind of child development you mm-hmm. know, i had to do more than my role right which actually became very detrimental um both as a child, shouldn't have had to do that, but also as a worker, I actually inadvertently uh, contributed to highly dysfunctional cultures in several places I landed because I was overperforming my role, mm-hmm. right? Acting above my function and, you know, thinking that I couldn't trust those around me, couldn't trust the process or the role that I had. And, and or, as we talked about last time, I couldn't get clarity from my employer what my job was and so left to ambiguity i did too much yeah right you weren't sure so you probably did everything right right anything i could find afraid Mm -hmm. that i wasn't doing enough right this insecurity and one of the things that coaches do is we come alongside you and say uh josh show me your job description show me your kra and why are you doing the other three employees kras as well too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i didn't have an employer that was willing or able to have that conversation well. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I had uh, a lot of people pretty angry at me because I was making them look bad. They... <laughs> so then a consult, so the reason I consult is actually two, two reasons, you know, and maybe similar reasons why you coach. One, uh, it allows me to have very clear defined metrics around a statement of work, which mm-hmm. lets me know, am I performing or not performing? And typically that's an easier conversation for whatever reason, which we can talk about in a consulting relationship. And... Uh, I find that because I've learned to operate at such a high level of efficiency, um, I've yet to find a job that can keep me uh, happy, satisfied, and busy by itself. <laughs> I need that's another run, on. my friend. That's You're looking one. for a job to keep you happy. No, not happy. No, thoroughly invested from a creativity perspective. Oh, got it. Yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. But we'll keep talking about that. So we're talking about seasons. 
read Ecclesiastes 3, which is, you know, it's there, there's many great songs based on Ecclesiastes 3 as well, too. Um, so when you think seasons, you know, fun seasons or seasons of heartache or children or sports seasons or jobs, what comes to mind for you? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the first thing I've, you know, learned to frame seasons around, I think, and for the, hopefully the leaders listening to us is... Um, taking time to, uh, to take stock of the natural rhythms and seasons that are around you, whether, um, whether you adhere to them or not, mm-hmm. right? We all have hourly, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly seasons. We have Christmas season. We have Easter season. If we're following, you know, the church calendar, there is Lent and there mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, <laughs> Advent and there is several others that um, are important to recognize and um, flow through. But why um, is that important? I mean, if you're if you're high church, yeah, you know, no, but let's say we're talking to a Baptist or someone that doesn't go to church. Why are church seasons important? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's certainly debatable. I think the Bible talks a lot, Ecclesiastes, about mm-hmm. the importance and the recognition of seasons are a natural part of human nature, and, and I, you know, I believe that's partly because you know, God who is steadfast and constant and mm-hmm. never changing, um, partially because of how he made us, partially because of the fall. Um, we are a, a rhythmic creature, yeah, right? Uh, that has to recognize this part of who we are. And, and either we have one of two extremes, we either attempt to be God and be so steadfast and so unchanging and so that, that we can't possibly have any room for imagination or or um, creativity, or we go to the other extreme, most people actually do this, and they just live this very chaotic existence with zero grounding, zero perspective, right? Zero willingness to take time away, Sabbath, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Now, what I, I'll stop you. You said we're rhythmic, yeah. and I, as you know, I love science, and I yeah. love yeah. just the science of the brain and how we're wired, and one of the areas I've been geeking out in is just how our body natural naturally... Um, has this rhythmic, um, it, it should even every single day. So mm-hmm. for example, the only part of our brain that is exposed outside of our skull is right behind the eyes. There are nerves. And what happens is when, when there is light that comes into our room, it is the wake up sign for our body to wake up in the morning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. likewise at night, if you go for a walk and see the sunset, the brain is wired because the colors are changing. It kicks into your body. Hey, uh, Eric, you need some melatonin. I'm going to naturally produce that. And you're going to get tired in the next one to two hours. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is just how we're wired. That is our, how God has created us. So even if you look at that, it makes like, oh, yeah, nine, I better not watch any TV. At one in the morning, if I can't sleep, I better not look at any screen because then it's going to wake my body up right. and make things even worse. So this is how we're made, which I just love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the more we study ourselves, and what's great about science is we are seeing we are made for these rhythms. Right. Well, and, and I think, you know, I, at one time I went to a really um, fascinating uh, retreat on Sabbath, and there was a... a um, I can't remember what the group is called now off the top of my head, but there, there's a group of individuals who are Jewish, but they follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, Messianic Jews. Thank you. Messianic Jews. Mm-hmm. So it was a rabbi of the Messianic Jew uh, perspective, and he was there talking about Sabbath because the Messianic Jews have a much stronger kind of connection to the idea of Sabbath. And and one of the things I remember, and this was, gosh, over 20 years ago, I still remember this, um, 
uh, talking about how uh, sleep and Sabbath are also talking about why God does this, is it's God's way of helping us know that he is God and we are not. Yes. Right? Because mm-hmm. it's not as if uh, we go to sleep and nothing's happening and we get up and we resume our activities, right? It's a recognition that we must sleep for a third of our day and that God continues to work. And when we wake in the morning, he invites us to join him again in what he's been doing all through the night. And the same thing happens over the weekend when we, or whenever we take a Sabbath is we have to step back and let even God took rest and therefore we should rest um, and, and recognizing that's uh, just part of who we're made to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And to use a non-church analogy, um, one of the things that's been messed up with COVID, and you know because we're in Washington State, they're like, okay, we can't do anything. Okay, it's now March. It's now cross-country season. And everyone's messed up because yeah, yeah. It's, it's spring. So everyone's bodies, you know, you have to understand this comes from a track, track coach. I'm a track athlete. <laughs> and everyone's like, it's track season. And they're telling them, no, it's cross-country season. The kids are messed up. And yeah. granted, my daughter runs both. She's naturally a track runner, but she's literally messed up because it's like waking up, looking at your iPad at one in the morning, and then you wake up and you're like, well, what's wrong? You weren't meant to look at your iPad at one in the morning. Mm -hmm. My daughter is not meant to run cross country in March. I've told her coach this and she doesn't like that. So I told her, I'm like, just to let you know, run it, do what the coach tells you in your brain, it's track season. Well, but I think I have to have to imagine, I mean, you're the coach, you tell me more here, but I have to imagine that because of that, you know, and this is a bigger topic, this is one example mm-hmm. of a bigger topic, I have to imagine injury risk is really high for these kids. Oh, absolutely. Right? But that ties to our leaders who are listening to us, right? Injury risk for not respecting these seasons and rhythms is high, whether it's burnout. And, and we've seen that as well, too. So I think in business, we need to understand what season of business are you in. Mm-hmm. If you're a real estate agent, there are seasons. There are seasons. That's a great <laughs> There are busy one. seasons. There are slow seasons. Um in in just about every other or even in family there are seasons i have four kids when they were five three and one that was not the time for me to start a company it it was not it was time for me to ratchet down my ministry it was time to just hey i'm going to be a great dad a great husband and a great ceo that's Mm -hmm. that was more than enough but now that my kids are 17 15 13 soon to be nine i can do a little bit more Mm -hmm. It's, there are different seasons, and I, I cringe when I see people say, I'm going to do, I'm going to have four kids, and I'm going to run a business, and I'm going to have a side business, and I'm going to do ministry, and I'm going to get in shape, and I'm going to go party on the weekend too, and I'm like, you're going to die in about, oh, 2.3 weeks. Yep, yep, yep. Well, what do we, what do you, let me ask you, this as a coach, what do you find are, like, what's the max amount that an, an athlete can handle in terms of what I would say, you know, and there's a reason I'm asking this, but I'm asking this from an athlete's perspective because you know that's better than I do, but daily, what's like the daily load, the weekly load, the monthly load, seasonal load? Like what's... I what hate I hate using non-scientific examples, but I'm going to give you a non-scientific example. Back in the 90s when I ran track at the University of Washington, our track coach says you could do two things really, really great. Yeah. And he goes, because you're on the track team, one of them needs to be running. He goes... Your other one can be academics, which it should be, or it can be partying or relationship. You can do two things really, really well. And mm-hmm. so when I was in college, 
I did my relationship well with my, now my wife, yeah, and I did running well. Now, granted, I was smart enough to get by with a 3.5 or so GPA, but that was not one of my top things. But we can do two things well. Now, it's bad if one of them is a relationship and the other is partying because now you flunk out of school and uh, you don't you know you don't pay your bills you can do two things really really well you can also do some side things as well but in my opinion you can do two things well what two are those yeah no and i think we and i think we can push those questions i think to our to our listeners to mm -hmm. reflect on themselves right to think about their own most important things you know i think the other thing that comes to mind for me as a leader what i find is i have to that point one or two things in sort of what i would categorize each each grouping of seasons that I can do really, really well. So for example, I try to have one or two daily routines that are reflective of sort of health in my life, right? Daily routines like getting up and reading and praying and, and going through a, a kind of a litur liturgical reading mm -hmm. and probably dinner every night with my family. Like those are the two things every day that I try to get done. Everything else is great, right? Work and other things come from it, but I gotta get those two things in to have a healthy life, right? Um, you know, there's, then I have to try to commit myself to some kind of seasonal exercise that, as you know, ebbs and flows day to day yep. and whatnot, but that, that's so you've a kind gone of from in, in running, r running terminology, you've gone from a 10 K season to a mile season right. just yeah, to just, mix it up. Yeah, exactly. And so the, the workouts are different, but I find that seasonal rhythm not to be an idol to itself, but is something that helps me have an outlet, um, of rhythmic, uh, mm -hmm. movement physical movement. Yeah. Um, and I think work's the same, right? Work, work continues for leaders uh, who have families and, and are trying to, to figure out how to make things work, have to then sort of figure out at what level is the work going to take a priority and when is it going to be, you know, one of the top two well, and, versus and, not. And even with work is, you know, you have seasons as a consultant yep. where you're, you don't have as many clients, so you're marketing like crazy. Yep. And then you have you know, you after marketing like crazy, everyone's like, dude, we've got to work with him. He's going to make us a bunch of money. So now even like today, you're like, hey, I just signed another company. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So then your marketing is going to go down. Right, right. But you're going to get paid more and right. then it'll ramp back <laughs> up again. And so that it, that's like one of your business seasons, correct? Right, right, mm -hmm. exactly. And, and mine are somewhat unpredictable. But I think, you know, one of the things I think we talked a little bit about was for today was helping our um, – and what I like to help my clients do when I talk, kind of look at their business is, mm -hmm. is help, you know, help them look at, take a hard look at their business cycle, their business seasons, if you will, right? And what um, is meaningful or not, right? Mm -hmm. What things are contributing to good culture and what things are not, which things could be tweaked, which things cannot, right? Every, every business has its own selling season, summer season can be... Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll give you an example yeah. that literally this blew our medical supply up. I'm a CEO of a medical supply with three locations. Every February and March, we almost went out of business. I'm like, mm. what the heck's happening? What? What? Oh, yeah. Every January, people have deductibles. Yeah. So what we used to get paid now went to deductible. Mm -hmm. We then have to bill them, and then we get paid in April. I'm like, oh, April, we're fine again. We're idiots. It took us like five years to figure this out. And then the next year, like, you know what? That's why you need to hire a um, Starting in January, if you get something from us, hey, Josh, I need your credit card number. As soon as it posted deductible, I need to let you know I'm going to run your credit card. Oh, yeah, not a problem. Everyone knows deductibles. And guess what? Yeah. We're fine now. Yeah. January, February, we have more credit card. Right, right. In March, April. Yeah. 
it's right back to Medicare or our third party insurances. So it's one yep. of those things. Sometimes you need to just say, dude, it's cold in the winter. Buy yourself a coat. Yeah. Yep. My eight year old son would say, but dad, I want to wear shorts and a t shirt. God bless you, man. Give it a while. Give it a whirl. And then he's crying. I'm like, natural consequences. Right. But right. With, with the businesses we talk to, or even families, let's not do stupid more than five years in a row, preferably not more than one. Right, right. Learn from it each year. Um, yeah, no, and I think that um, I find that, you know, people I've worked with, w- once they realize the importance of the seasons and the impact that has, good or, good or bad, on their culture, they can begin to uh, address them one at a time, mm-hmm. right? Because any, any company can have a strategy, can have a mission, vision, values, but if it doesn't have the right culture, right, and, and that incorporates this recognition of seasons and rhythms, whether it's enforcing Sabbath, you know, a day off every week. Leaders, for example, I'm sure you work with leaders that, that have struggled taking time off. Well, oh, yeah. And their people can't take time off, right? And what I see with leaders, actually, their work performance goes up mm-hmm. if they take time off. Yeah. I'm like, your ideas suck. Yeah. Go on vacation. They come back, oh, I had these five great ideas. I'm like, you're going to make your business so much more money by taking times time mm-hmm. away. So this weekend, I was my, my family was Nordic skiing. I don't know how to ski yet, so I, I went out snowshoeing. And literally in the middle of my snowshoe walk in God's country, I'm like, I, I think I have four great ideas for problems I've been trying to fix for weeks now. Mm-hmm. So let, how bizarre is that, that I figured out my problems and I was out having fun. Yeah. What happened? I think my brain went down and in, in a sense, I got out of my own way. Well, and I think on the flip side, the other thing that I see, you know, and I have struggled with this myself, but how I've addressed it is leaders tend to work a lot of hours when you are on, and there's a responsibility there as a leader or an owner of a business or a CEO. Um, And as an example, one time I was uh, managing, um, I was basically chief of staff for 900 primary and specialty care docs, and so we were extremely busy. I mean, there's just a lot to do uh, all the time, and I would find myself, because I'm an early morning worker, just naturally the way my circadian rhythm works. Mm-hmm. And I try to respect that is I usually get more done before seven or eight in the morning than most people, you know, getting out of bed, but that's, I don't like to work in the evenings. Um, but I would find myself most Saturdays at Starbucks at six in the morning, catching up on the week. It just yeah. was the rhythm of that season. Right. But I also made a point of knowing that about myself and I communicated with my staff. I said, okay, guys, you're going to see emails from me at 6 a.m. on a Saturday. I don't expect you to respond to those Ooh, that's until good. Monday. Like, just so you know, like if I'm working on a Saturday, it's not anything you've done or anything I expect from you because guess what? When I finish on Saturday, yeah. I'm going to be kicking up my feet with my family, taking my 24-hour Sabbath. Like, this is how I operate. And again, I, and, but and I wouldn't check my email But between the again. two of us, mm-hmm. we're the same way. I notice... You, you you send me emails with brilliant ideas. Saturday, I'm like, uh, you're like, did you get it? I'm like, no, I don't check my email on weekends. For <laughs> me, that's my protection. Right, right, right. My assistant gets it. He then gives it to me Monday, and I read your email on Monday. Right. That's when I'm ready to rock and roll. But we have different rhythms, and that's just understanding. This is Josh. This is Eric. I'll do, I do a lot of my desk work between 3 and 7 at night. Hmm. That works for me. Yeah. And you tell your staff that, right? Oh, they yeah, know they know. That, right? They all know. Mm-hmm. So if they send you a, a, something on the weekend, they know that 
if there's an emergency, they can get a hold of you. But otherwise, it's fine if you don't see it till Monday is the permission you've given them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of the problems that I see also is people don't understand truly what their job function is. So then they get mixed up possibly in doing everything. So, for example, mm-hmm. it's like a mm-hmm. CEO. I tell my staff, I'm in charge of all new things and all problems. Okay. If it's working perfectly, keep me out of it. And that works. So I pretty much know that is my rhythm. So what am I working on right now? I'm actually already working on our 2022 schedule. Hmm. What does that say? It means our business is working great right now. If it wasn't, I'd be working today on that. But I'm already working 2022 because our industry that we're in. So a lot of it is figuring out even the rhythms in your business. Mm -hmm. Are you, you know, with COVID, do you need to just get ready for things to open up? Things are going to open up in May. I'll get out. I promise you. Yep. Yep. But we're still kind of in this mm-hmm. weird season season right now. So what do you see that with businesses as well, too? Or do people get confused about their jobs and roles? What do you see? Oh, yeah, all the time. I mean, I think, I think what most leaders and businesses fail to just recognize is there's usually this, um, especially in larger organizations, there's sort of this unspoken culture about seasons and rhythms, mm-hmm. right? I mean... I'm thinking of you know, and even I think CEOs especially fall, fall to the to the possibility of sort of losing touch with the front lines of their businesses and their companies, and they sort of miss out on things. So, what's an example I'm talking about? Um, you know, I used to work for a large health plan that that sort of prided itself on trying to be very uh, rhythmic in the sense that they sort of had a downtime around the holidays, but then a busy first part of the year, and a kind of a downtime in the summer, but then a busy you know sort of fall, and it, it was pretty rhythmic that way. But there was also weird sort of cultural things, expressions of that, that were pretty dysfunctional for the front lines. Um, Things like, um, you know, there was this unspoken understanding that at the the VP level and above, these guys were getting massive bonuses with the success of the company. Even on years where there was losses, they still Mm -hmm. managed to find a way to get pretty large bonuses. While um, there was this weird culture where to get your... Christmas bonus, which was never more than about a $25 Starbucks card and a mug, you had to walk down to like the lobby and take your little card you got in email and then give it to an executive who wanted to shake your hand and thank you for all your work for the year. And it felt so ridiculous and it felt so um, just... What, ex- excuse my language here, but I'll, I'll just call that bullshit. Because that's what you would have, because people see that. They do. And, and, and it was just complete blind Most spot. people would not say that. Yeah. But if I ran a company, well, the way our company works is we have profit sharing. We either all get it or none of us gets it. Yeah. From my off-site team members in the Philippines to my executive team. Yeah. If my off-site team members in the Philippines don't get it, guess who else doesn't get it? I don't get it. Yeah. Because that's... Fair. Now, granted, there's a different percentage yeah, of yeah. what our quarterly bonus is, and actually that stays the same as well. And I have a very specific format for profit sharing, but people see that. Yeah. And here's the problem. If they don't think it's fair, they eventually will leave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because the people who are leaving are your really ethical people who want fairness and i would say that's actually who we want in our businesses right well and i would say this company tried to do that in the sense that they had a year-end bonus program that didn't get paid out till march or april oh and and Mm -hmm. and the metrics were highly opaque and the way it connected your work to the actual outcomes were so you know 
un, lack of trans, you know, mm -hmm. abstract, I should say, that it was impossible to really feel good about your performance other than the fact that if the check was nice, great. Um, but it was, it, it was after the fact, it was abstract, it was lack of connected to your day-to-day -day work. Mm -hmm. it, it was, it and I would say, good. as a coach, I would say, hey, how does this feel? So literally, yeah. we go through our entire team's entire bonus structure, and we'll say, hey, here's Johnny. This is what Johnny's getting. Does this feel right? Yes. Is this what Susie gets? Does this feel right? Mm -hmm. Is this what um, wh whomever is next? Does it feel right? If the answer is no, you need to go back and look back because your Excel might be wrong or mm -hmm. what you're calculating is wrong. Right. Or better yet, they come to us and like, my bonus sucked. Yeah, it did suck. And this is what we're looking at. These were your KRAs and you only hit one of your three areas and we're sinking over here. I need you to step up. Yeah. Okay. At least you know. Well, and speaking of that, what, what do you find as a coach and as a CEO when it comes to annual evaluations? Because, you know, it, it, there's lots of research we could go and find and oh, talk yeah. about how dysfunctional those are and how unhelpful they are, right? And I would disagree. Yeah. No, but, I mean, most of the time. Most, most, most times ways they're Oh, done. yeah, absolutely. Yes, the way they're done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we've... You know, we, we finally, I think, cracked the code for annual evaluations, mm -hmm. and it's different. It's we do 360 evaluations, we do self evaluations, we do um, supervisor or team lead evaluations. So we do a little bit of all three, and we have different seasons and different questions. Mm -hmm. And the evaluation is for the person being evaluated. If it works, keep it up. If not, you need to rewrite mm -hmm. the evaluations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You want to hear, if, actually, it yeah, reminds me, you want shoot. to hear a funny 360? So one time, <laughs> this reminds me, I was asked um, to do a 360 for a particular individual who was a medical director, uh -huh. and he, you know, talked a lot, he didn't make any sense, he was highly opinionated, he didn't really take input, um, and he was one of those in individuals that everyone was afraid to tell him his behavior was not helpful, it was mm -hmm. highly dysfunctional to the organization. And so I had only worked with him a little bit, but just enough um, that he, I had was asked by him to do a 360. And it's interesting because... He asked you to do a 360? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Somehow okay. said to me. And first of all, I had, I had worked with him because of the fact that he had interviewed for a new, a new role that, that I had actually interviewed him for, and I'd recommended to the person who hired him that he not hire him, but then he hired him for that role anyways. Okay. And so then he... Didn't, obviously, I don't think he knew that, but then he asked me to fill out his 360. And I was under the impression that these were um, blinded. And so I was... Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> they're supposed and to be blinded. They're supposed to be blinded, as it was, was what I was told, mm -hmm. right? And so I, I was not unprofessional. I wouldn't be, you know, because you still write them as if, if this person sees it, how are you going to, you know, yeah, you absolutely. But I was fairly direct about the fact that he talked too much, didn't take input, didn't listen to other opinions, sort of ramrodded his ideas through. You know, he was, he was fairly forceful. Um, I didn't think the most logical, you know, lots of things, da 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 you know, just sort of laid all these problems out. And he calls me to his office and wants to talk to me about it. <laughs> And the whole time... Josh, I have a question about well, your anonymous 360. And he goes, and he goes, you know, no one's ever given me this feedback before i i just can't believe that that you think this because no one's ever told me these things before but it wasn't in a grateful way it was very much like you're gonna pay that, <laughs> that you've given me this feedback because no one has 
ever, no one ever had the so gall like to the, tell him. It's that, like the emperor with exactly, no clothes. It's exactly what it was. It's the little kid saying, you don't that have any me. clothes on. Everyone me. else was too scared. So you yeah. were like the three-year-old kid. I was. I was. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. So my point is, to our leaders and listeners out there, examine closely the culture you have around mm-hmm. evaluations, right? It's or call huge... us, and we'll do an anonymous 360 for your team. And, there you go. Um, every 360 I do for a team, I yep. flat out tell them, uh, it is anonymous. Yep. I will. Who said this? I, I will no. not breach their trust. Right, right, you exactly. Take a, you know, I, I will do, well, I, that, that's another podcast for another day. We're into rhythms. Yes. But I think that's part of it. Yeah. What are the rhythms yep. of even the, you know, your surveys? You know, if, if you are a... Uh, someone, you're your own only, bo- you know, only person in your company. Well, then your surveys need to be to your customers. They should give you a review. How well did you do delivering whatever service? Yeah. You know, where I'm at, I have 60 people that I oversee in our organization. They all get to say, hey, how is Eric leading? Is mm-hmm. he doing it right? Is it, you know, and I get everything from everyone, but um, you're never going to keep everyone happy, but there's definitely some seasons mm-hmm. involved in what that looks like. Yeah, and I would, the other thing I would advise you know, people to think about too is don't overemphasize the, the objective of a particular survey. Mm-hmm. I've seen surveys given out, for example, especially in the healthcare space, and you're probably familiar with this. There's lots of surveys that have to be done for regulatory purposes. Mm-hmm. And frankly, which those, are garbage. They are garbage. And I've been in a lot of companies who fail by thinking, oh, we do those for regulatory purposes and we should use them for em- em- performance improvement. No. And we should use them for customer or for employee feedback. And we should use them for goals. And, and it's like, no, don't mix up the purpose of a regulatory survey with the purpose of a customer survey versus no. the customer or something else. Well, and, I, and I, it's not that I, I, even though I said it's garbage, you have oh, to do are. them. And like, for example, I, uh, we have surveys, you know, when we're transfilling oxygen. I mean, there's some there's some laws and accreditation, yeah, and you name it. Yeah. But those kinds of surveys I have found catch things so after there's so many problems. If you're failing those, you actually have way bigger problems. You want to catch things on the front end when they're lead indicators, not leg indicators. And I think if we do a good job as consulting and coaching – that's actually what we're grading there because by the if we do great there then the lag indicators and lag surveys they should look really really good well and i think also then in terms of leadership credibility i think leaders to that point have to be careful how much how they pay emphasis on those because i think in my experience a lot of leaders lose credibility when they try to expand the scope of these surveys beyond their intended purpose because even the frontline employees are smart enough to say that's for regulatory purposes. Why are you trying to like hold me accountable to this other thing? Accountable? Why are you trying to mix these perspectives when that's not what that's for? I mean, it, it, oh, just, it, it just ruins the the culture and the credibility of the leader involved. So I think it's it's you know something to keep an eye on for sure and what's done and why. So I'm going to try and summarize this. So sure. we're talking seasons and rhythms. And as a consultant, if you were to leave people with one thing, I'm going to I'm going to put you on the spot and mm. say, Josh, give me one. What would it be? one thing that you want don't miss this what would it be in terms of seasons and rhythms well i think if there's one thing you have to do as a leader the first thing because there's plenty of things you could do the first thing is you have to find some stability within yourself starting with even just one daily routine whether it's exercise prayer and scripture reading 
um, the coffee in the newspaper you read in your desk in the morning. You need to find, I think the first thing you have to do as a leader is recognize a lot of people depend on you. And so being stable is key. Mm-hmm. And so find one daily rhythm you commit yourself to and anchor your day around. Oh, that's good. Start with that. So what's yours? Can I ask you? Mine? Yeah. Every, every morning at about 5.20, I sit down with my coffee and I have my reading devotional and I go through the kind of the liturgical reading and prayer guide for the morning and that anchors every day, no matter good. how rough the previous day was or how joyous it was, I've learned that, that has to anchor every day. How about you? Mine is not as deep as yours. It's <laughs> way more practical and this is why we probably complement each other really, really well. But for me, it's looking at my calendar. Yep. Literally, I, I, I get into my day, and if I'm doing well, I do it the night before, so I know mm. what the next day is. But for me, I look at my calendar, mm-hmm. and I said, okay, these are the four meetings I have, or this is what it is. And then uh, several times a week, then several times a week what I do is I make sure that that corresponds with my quarterly rocks. Mm-hmm. So my schedule is what I've stated as my previous quarterly goals. These are the three things I'm working on this quarter, and it keeps me pointing in the rock, uh, right direction. Because if not, I then get distracted by the shiny. So I then mm. I need to understand what's going on, what's going to happen. So that is my daily rhythm that I have to do. Because if not, yeah. I don't get it done. I get 10 things done partially. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is you know what you have to do and why you do it, right? And I think so many times leaders who get really busy – Mm-hmm. with family and life and work and businesses, they don't even know what they're doing or why. And they yeah. just lose this sort of, they get so chaotic that they just lose. And, and, that's, and that's why people get burned out. Oh, right? absolutely. It's because then they wake up every day going, it's the same thing over again. Well, it's not really. It's just another day of chaos. You're not rooted in anything. Mm-hmm. Right? And I heard this suggestion um, earlier today, actually. If, if, if you were married, show your quarterly schedule to your spouse and say, mm-hmm. honey, is this how I should have spent my quarter? Mm-hmm. And if she says, absolutely, awesome, you're on the same page. If the answer's no, you're in trouble. But mm-hmm. this is wonderful if you have a spouse. Yeah, we, we missed our date night. Or, mm-hmm. Josh, you said this is a value that you have dinner with us. And uh, we actually haven't had dinner with you in two weeks because mm-hmm. you said this is important. Yep. Uh, so if at the end of the day, we, we have a great profitable business and you're leading well at work and yet your wife leaves you, Sorry, you lose. You lose. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, and, and like that, and a really successful CEO I was talking to actually made this comment unsolicited. He talked about this project we were working on and the fact that he sat down with his wife as part of their annual conversation, yeah. and he he had gone through with her. He says, you know, here's what I think my where I'd like to spend my time this year from a business perspective, of which this project was one of them, and and got her buy-in on sort of their priorities both as a family but then how that's reflected by his work life to make sure he wasn't over committing outside the home and mm-hmm. she even in the indirect role she plays in that was bought in to what those priorities would be beforehand even that's golden so that's golden yeah well until next week hey if you have questions reach out to us on the website on the podcast are all of our contact info email josh email me eric And uh, we will be here to help you win both in work and in life. See you next week. All right. Until then. Thank you for listening to our podcast on The Consultant and the Coach. In the meantime, check us out on theconsultantandthecoach.com or reach out to us via email on show notes. Looking forward to having you listen to us next week as well, too. And until then, continue leading your team and your business. Have a great day. Thank you.